you know, watching this is so powerful. I'm so proud of everybody for watching this, but it's what you do after that counts. And we know that. And so what I love to do when I learn new things, whether I'm taking a course, I'm learning a new method of working out, I then schedule it, David. Hey, it's Emily here, and I am so grateful for you tuning in to this episode. From building and maintaining a nine-figure sales organization to speaking around the globe and now creating the It's Emily Lifestyle blog, thank you for being a part of my journey. My mission is to provide you with the wisdom, the skills, the encouragement, the tactical strategies, and inspiring stories while we continue to become purposeful entrepreneurs and leaving a positive impact in each other's lives as we're called to do so. So with that being said, it's time to de-plug from your outside world and plug into your new world here. So let's dive in. I'm so excited to have you with me, Emily. Hello. Hello, David. How are you? Yeah. Well, listen, we get to talk about the mind. And we have not sat and pre-thought, pre-talked. No, there's no notes sitting on my desk. We just said that, you know, we both understand the mind so much. But before I let you talk about the mind, I want to go back to a time where your mind wasn't your best friend. Because there was a time for all of us where we had to start doing the work. And take me back and tell me the story before the Emily that we see today that Yahoo says is top 10 to watch. Yeah, it's so funny as you're saying all those things. I'm like, wow, wow, that that, that just happened overnight, right? <laughs> yeah. oh, heck no, it's been a it's been a ten year journey. Um, prior to finding Isogenics, I worked multiple jobs. I traded time for money. Uh, I was positive, but I still had a victim mindset. I'm gonna go ahead and say tons of limiting beliefs. I grew up with a single mom in the Midwest and, uh, you know, I found Isogenics and that's the day my life changed. That's the day I started to develop as a person. Finally, I had people come into my life and teach me things and mentor me and, and give me books. I, you know, gosh, I never read before finding Isogenics. That's for sure. And, um, you know, that, that Emily, um, I mean, I remember it in my first year. I actually, David, I went to one of your events called Journey to the Stage. I remember, I remember so clearly looking at you because I mean, if people understood what I saw, I mean, you were scared of the mic, right? Oh, I remember it vividly. My <laughs> were sweating the whole time. In fact, I was a little peed off at my mentor, Holly. I was like, why did you make me go to this thing? Because I'm, I want to go to the events where I can just sit and I'm like, no one has to talk to me. That's what was my mindset that back then. And I remember walking in and everyone's like mixing around and we're supposed to meet people and then, and then eventually talk on, on the microphone. And I wanted to leave I, throughout the entire day. I'm like, maybe I have to go to the bathroom right now. Maybe an emergency is going to happen. I mean, that was my mindset. What will people think of me um, in this room? What if I don't say it right? I don't have the confidence. I mean, all of those things. Who do you think you are to be in this room with, with these people? I mean, you just started. You're barely a consultant. Like, could you really do this? And, and that was the start. That was the start to just facing my fears. Well, and I, I talk to a lot of people about because, I mean, you're so well-known around the world, and I, I train all over the world, and because people understand and watch you and follow you, I have to remind them, you know, the, the Emily I met was not the Emily you see today, and that's the beauty of this journey, and, you know, we're going to explore the mind, and so much of what you've said, you know, that sort of stinking thinking, that negative Nelly in our head, I call it the imposter. Uh, I, I haven't trained on the imposter for many years, but, you know, you, you, you talk about it, where you're sitting there and your mind is in full attack against you. It's, you know, it's wanting you to go to the bathroom. It wants you to find reasons or excuses to get the hell out of there. Let's talk about that. Why, why, why is the mind so tricky? What have you learned about the mind that's so tricky? Oh, well, I, I, first of all, David, I didn't know that I could have control over my thoughts. I, I had no idea. I just let my mind control me. 
Okay. And then you taught me about the imposter, the idiot, and I'll never forget it. You're the first human on the planet that taught me the most significant things in my life. And it was all about the idiot because my whole life he had been talking to me and keeping me from pursuing greatness. And when I realized, wow, like you can control your thoughts and, and yes, it does take habitual practice over and over again, but to, to be the first thing is to be aware so finally, when you taught me about the imposter, I, this awareness came up like, oh my gosh, you're thinking all these negative thoughts. And when I became aware, that's when I started to create the change. Well, you know, and you talk about awareness is that big first step. So for people listening right now, let's sort of dive into the idiot or the imposter. Um, and, you know, this is that negative voice in our head. And I always say there's kind of like two of us. <laughs> there's our uh, authentic, uh, unconscious unconscious self let's say and then there's this conditioned self you know and the conditioned mind is the one that is becomes our prisoner because it's the one we hear and it's the one that and, and how do you tell the difference and this is one thing i just want to give you this 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 uh way of noticing is if it's negative in any way whatsoever even if it's sly negative sly negative is where it just gives you that little seed of doubt do you really want to do this you know it's kind of like it's not necessarily overtly negative but it's enough negativity enough doubt for you to slow down stop freeze retreat stay in your comfort zone and so the the higher self the, the, the sort of the, the non-conditioned mind, you know, is, is pure. It, it, it believes in you. It, 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 it supports you. It celebrates you. It's going to cheer you on. And when you make mistakes, it's going to make you feel okay about it. Say, listen, you're just learning, kid. Get back up. So there's that other part of us that really is our cheerleader. But typically, Emily, and you go back to when you were sort of, you know, starting out with the work, is the imposter was so loud constantly that it drowned out that part of you that we see living today right right yeah no spot on yeah it, it you know and and w once i started to face my fears and you know shut up the little idiot that we all have chirping and feel the fear and do it anyway that's when i realized what true fulfillment was because suddenly you know, I remember you had me take the mic and stand in front of the room and yeah, I wanted to wet my pants during the whole thing. I was so scared. It was really, I, I love it. I, Cause I can visual it. What were we talking about? 2011, 2012? When was that? 2011. Yeah. But after the fact, and we all know it, after the fact, I was like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I, I suddenly was like, that felt so good to move my life forward. That felt so good to step out of my comfort zone. And I became addicted to it, addicted to the sinking stomach feeling. And, and it, when that happens, David, I know that something great's about to happen. Like, I'm just like, okay, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And, and I wish I could tell all the viewers like that just goes away. Uh, I mean, you do become stronger and you gain confidence over time. Of course, experience is the best teacher and practice, practice makes practice. But you know, I still get those feelings and, but I just shut it up way faster. And I remember who created me and what I'm called to do. And that, that's when I lean into it. And I, I, I love the feeling on the other side of it. Well, I we want to go back because with the new mind, I mean, I, I want to talk about a couple of characters in the brain. <clears throat> you know, the one that you're talking about right now, which is what you felt with that microphone and why I use the stage as um, really, um, it's a way of helping people feel these feelings and feel what's on the other side of it, like you talked about. And because a lot, most people have some fear associated with standing in public or the fear of humiliation. Um, but there's a character in the brain I call the psycho, which is the psycho-cybernetic mechanism. And what happens is each time we cross the, the line of our comfort zone, and everyone's got a comfort zone that's different sizes in different situations. In Emily's world back then, her comfort zone as far as talking in front of a room was tiny, tiny. So the very nature of even standing up was already outside of the zone of comfort because she said earlier, she said, what I want to do is sit at the back of the room and just, you know, not really engage with people and just take it in my way, right? So her being in a room that's interactive was outside the comfort zone. You add the microphone and a stage and now suddenly we're going leaping, leaping outside. Now, even a tiptoe outside the comfort zone, this part of the brain, the psycho-cybernetic mechanism, psycho, 
sort of releases chemicals into the body and they are interpreted as fear, apprehension, doubt, and uncertainty. Fear, apprehension, doubt, and uncertainty, which means this, that every single time we go to do something, whether it's building your isogenics business and you're picking up the phone, that's the same as picking up that microphone. That's why you get this feeling of fear, apprehension, doubt, and uncertainty. And what happens is, what Emily's mastered, and we're gonna go back and decode it, is feeling those feelings. They haven't gone away, right? I felt it today, just having to interview you, because I, I respect and love you so much. I could feel it walking to the office here going, Hey, you know, there's that little tingle, right? Right. And so, so what I want to do is, is give you this understanding then that each time we go outside our comfort zone and we stay outside of it and continue to practice, we get better. And we have the feeling that Emily talked about. It's like she felt something she hadn't felt before because in opposition to the chemical attack, she stayed out there and practiced and got better. And that's what we have to do with everything. Right, Emily? Oh, Absolutely. Oh my gosh, so spot on. Yeah, it, it just, it, I know it sounds so easy, right? Like just lean into it and do it. But I, that, there is a level of all of us that we just have not tapped yet. And we haven't gone there. And when you start to do the things that make you want to pee your pants, make your armpit sweat, that is when you realize who God or the universe created you to be. And it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, let's go back and say when you first took these steps, we talked about the imposter, um, you, because you, you talked about, you know, that you kind of beat it. You beat it at the game because most people don't know they're in the game. They don't, they actually trust their thoughts. When you realize that sort of 70 to 80% of our thoughts are negative and repetitive, we think the same things over and over and over and over and over again, unless we actually go in and do some work and reprogram the brain and the beauty is, Emily, as you know, with neuroplasticity uh, now, science is showing us that we can completely rewire this noggin of ours. So it doesn't matter how negative we are, how poor we are, how unhealthy we are, we can rewire ourselves for ultimate success. So go back to that early stage when you started to have that negative voice, what were some of the techniques you used to quieten it? What were you doing to actually catch it and catch it at its job and then behave in spite of it? What were you doing? a plethora of things. One of the first things I did is uh, daily affirmations, I am statements, because I was constantly, whether it was conscious or subconscious, feeling unworthy. You know, I had all sorts of limiting beliefs. We all do. And so I, I am, I am wealthy. I am beautiful. I took my favorite lipstick and wrote it all over my mirror and I'd write it everywhere. I am a millionaire. I am constantly attracting um, high vibing people in my life. I am, I am, I am. Um, and then, you know, another thing, David, it, it sounds so simple, but just really being mindful who I surrounded myself with. Um, I have friends and had friends back then that they would stop me when I said, I can't afford, or, you know, I would say certain things like, I'm not ready for that. And just constantly surrounding myself with people that were like, you are ready for that. Like actually just do it. And that's why the power of our community, I mean, it, it's so vital that we surround ourselves with powerful people. So I would do that. Um, I would, you know, obviously read a lot, you know, start to dive into great material by T. Harvecker. Um, I would listen to podcasts, things that would help me, you know, learn new practices. Uh, for sure, one thing, meditation. And for me, I'm a busy go-getter. I, my mind well, is... Well, I should say, you're standing up right now. Yeah. Because you're on calls. You've never been busier. This is during the COVID-19 and, you know, your business is taken off as, you know, the great thing about our, our profession, and we'll talk about it later, is that, you know, in times of struggle, we ex always explode, but not everyone does. The people that are doing the work explode. Like, so you're, you know, you're standing up because you're, otherwise you'd be sitting the whole day reaching out to the world, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. You have to shift your energy. And so, you know, that's definitely something, um, you know, so starting my day today with even meditation and quieting my mind, because literally I look at this day and it is jammed. I'm so blessed. Okay. And I, but I, instead of waking up feeling overwhelmed, all these low frequency type of emotions, what if this happens? What if that happens? Whoa, will I be able to eat? I don't know. Right. 
I started my day with meditation and I just quieted my mind and I came back to gratitude. I get to do all this. This is a privilege, right? And, and really just connected with the creator and, you know, set intentions for the day and how I'm going to show up for the day. And, and what I have found is when we quiet our mind, that's when all the beauty happens. That's when it's just you and God and in all of those negative emotions subside. And that's when I realized who I am and the power that I have. And if I don't do that, David, if I don't take time to be in prayer, to be in meditation, there's a significant difference in my day. Right. Let's just explore that. So people have a tangible way, because when they, you say meditate, some people think you ought to crush your legs, sit there and arm and, you know, have a little bowl. Some people and people that have wigged out about it. And I've been meditating most since I was 20. Um, I do it in a very unorthodox way, but I wonder if you could lead us through, you know, how long, how you do it, how do you, how, how, what's your practice? Just so that someone can say, I want to, I want to copy that because people like to copy success. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some days it is a little different. I'll be walking and maybe just listening to some light music and, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't have words in it. I should go ahead and say that. And it will be more of a walking movement meditation. Some days, I mean, I'm blessed to live literally on the Pacific Ocean is my view. So I will go down and, and meditate there for 10, 20 minutes. Um, or other days, you know, it might just be in my bedroom. But the thing is, I, and I feel like this, we need to say this now more than ever. One thing that I don't do is get out of bed and get on Instagram and get on Facebook. And I don't, I just, I absolutely want to protect my mindset. And so those are some of the ways um, that I practice meditation. It looks a little different every day, but immediately after is when I grab my journal and, you know, I really learned this from you, David, and Kathy Coover, um, just to practice gratitude. And, you know, I write down things that I'm grateful for. And I did this in the beginning when I slept on a mattress on the floor and had next to nothing to my name. I always started to practice that gratitude because it just fills you with so much love and so much positivity. So I do that. And then I look at my day and I, you know, look at what's happening. I looked at this call oh my gosh, I get to talk to one of my first mentors in my life who's a legend. How, like, how am I going to show up for David today? And, you know, I, I look at it all the way throughout the whole day and, and I focus on what I can control and what I can't. And I really, you know, run my day and I don't let my day run me. And so meditate, yeah. prayer, gratitude, and then brain dump and then let's attack. I love it. I love it. And I love the fact you used different, because some people say I don't have the time. Well, you do have the time to walk. You have the time to quieten the mind. I love water as well. And water is a great sanctuary for me. I, even in the shower, I'll find that, you know, yeah. practicing gratitudes in the shower, because as soon as that water hits my body, I live on a lake. But just taking or making places special, like you talked about, sometimes you just go and sit somewhere. And the very nature of having somewhere you sit in reflection, when you get there, your body's already anticipating the reflection. You're already going into this place subconsciously. But I want to go back again to when you, so, so you have these great daily rituals. And I love the fact you talked about the phone thing. I always say that if you really want to see a change in your life, try leaving the phone outside your bedroom because we use it as alarm clocks. But go buy an alarm clock and just leave it somewhere else. So when you wake up, there isn't that urge to look at or, or scroll through or answer any of that noise. You really are in your own sanctuary, whether you live in a tiny apartment in New York or whether you're living out on the coast. Um, I do want to go back and say, though, you know, when you used to catch yourself in the beginning with any practice like meditation, you know, you, all this noise comes running in. And it's not like you always are able to get a quiet mind. Sometimes, you know, you can't shut it up. But in the beginning, when you start noticing the negative stream of language going through or the negative doubts, you know, when you caught them, because, you know, you, you had this awareness, you were starting to reprogram through affirmations, through prayer, through meditation and through great rituals, gratitude. But it's still there. The noise is still there. And sometimes it gets turned up really, really high when you, you know, had to pick up a phone and talk to someone or whether you had to go in front of a room and talk to a group. Um, what, how did you reprogram? What were some of the daily little notices? So if you heard a word coming in, so for me, my, one of my early practices was to eliminate all negative low energy words from my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So you rarely have ever hear me use the word need 
or can't or hate. I mean, and I have this whole word. So if I, 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 like you said, I get to choose to be busy. I choose to have a full day and connect with people all over the world. That's, oh God, I need to, I need to talk to like 25 people today, right? Different energy. Yeah, I get to. Yeah. So let's go, tell us how you, some of the notices and some of the early things you did to reinforce and create the new new neural pathways, because that's what you've done. You went from having a negative neural pathway, think of a highway, that, and, and the more repetitive negative thinking we have, the thicker these neural path- pathways are, and they just end up running our lives. You know, the doubt, the uncertainty, the insecurity, uh, the judgment, that all comes from this repetitive negative thinking. Um, and then what you've done is you've created a whole new highway and you guard it. There's guardians that say, hey, we don't let negative crap in here ever, right? Yeah. No, we're not entertaining that yet. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it happens every day. Like yesterday, I was trying to calm myself down after an epic day. But I found myself feeling feelings of uneasiness in, in the best of way. I'm so grateful. But I just was like, Emily, you got to chill out. And so I took my dog on a walk. And it took me longer to breathe, to breathe, to, okay, plan on what I was going to do in the evening to kind of calm down a little bit, to go through that, um, to change my state a little bit. I took some Ionic Supreme for sure. Um, But when I'm in meditation, all the time it happens, all the time. Like my mind will divert to one area. And I'm like, why am I thinking about that? I don't want to think about it. So I come back. I come back to love and I come back to what I want to think about. And I, I come back to, you know, just trying to neutralize whatever's coming up and focus on what I want. Not what I don't want to focus on breathing, breathing in, breathing out. Um, that's why, David, I know you're, you, you're like a guru, but I'm a little bit more amateur in the meditation space. I'm getting better, but guided apps really do really well for me because when the mind does go crazy, it's like you're able to just listen, focus on the app focus on the app you know what yeah, i mean yeah. um so that's so- and and they're free i mean like anyone listening if they want to get a new meditation practice and we're saying this is one yeah. of the building blocks to emily's great mindset is yeah. the work and this is one of those pieces that you can listen on your phone if you have to but you can listen to a guided meditation anywhere for free which is awesome right 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 and in the power of the words you know can't that one was huge for me and still is and so when i say it instead of just saying it and going oh i just said that i correct myself and that has been major for me so when i used to say i can't afford uh, then i would change my language i can afford you know i would just start changing my language right then and there even if i was talking to a different person that might think i'm a little weird like why did you just correct yourself i didn't even call you out on anything you said I would correct myself so I would get better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the practice. The practice is awareness is key. We catch it, we, we, we revert it. I mean, catching the negative word and then replacing it. And the more you do it, you listen to high frequency people and you will rarely hear a low frequency word coming out of their mouth. And because they're aware of the price we pay. If I say can't, I can't right? There's so many, I mean, there's a, the famous story of the Barnum and Bailey Circus where, and this was in 1963, I think it was, where 12 elephants were, were actually killed in a big top fire. And all they were, they were tied by a little tiny rope to a railing. But because how they train an elephant is they, tr- they start off with huge chains when they're babies and they drive big stakes into the ground. And these babies pull and pull and pull. And after just a few days, they stop pulling and that's why an elephant trainer that can then use a little tiny piece of rope and they can put a little tiny pin in the ground and the elephant will no longer pull that's what our mind does and what happened that day the fire happened the elephant stood there and they they were all killed because they didn't believe they could break this little piece of string it's crazy right emily crazy yeah so let's go into um sort of next steps as far as when you struggled so along the way, what have been some of the struggles that you've had to overcome through this mindset? What were the things that you were deeply struggling with? So the people who are listening say, oh, that's, that sounds like me. <laughs> that's where I was struggling, right? Yeah. Learning new skills. 
network marketing is boiled down to seven, uh, maybe eight skills. So learning all of those new skills that I had never done before. I went to school for massage therapy. So, you know, growing through that and practicing that from asking someone to take a look to how do I cast a vision to how do I deal with rejection to um, one of the main parts for me uh, was drawing out the compensation plan. I was like, I don't, I'm not sure how to do this. And that freaked me out. And then getting in front of a room, whether it was a room of three people or a room of a hundred people that freaked me out. And um, so I'd say that, um, my gosh, someone, someone would return their box freaked me out. Uh, asking for the sale freaked me out. I mean, well, let's just count all the things that freaked me out. A lot of things, right? Um, but I just well, everything that took you outside your comfort zone, right? Because they're all new. So as soon as yeah. you go to do them, they're outside the comfort zone, right? Right, right, yeah. But I just continued to feel the fear, feel how uncomfortable it was, and you know what helped me move forward, David, is I would always ask myself. If I don't do this, then what will I do? If I don't do this, how am I going to get to my ultimate dreams? If I don't, if I let fear take a hold of me, then how am I going to get to where I want to be? And so with that little thing in the back of my mind, I was just like, okay, do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Just one foot in front of the other. And then I would do it and I would gain more confidence with it. And then like I said, it becomes addicting. And then you're like, wow, this isn't so bad. This actually feels really good. And, and over time I, I would watch, you know, sometimes video even, um, or I get feedback from people that I trusted. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how was that? And they're like, actually this part was great, but this part you gotta, you need help girl. And so, you know, just taking in that feedback. And so that's how I just became better at it. And then, you know, it's the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. Right. No. So it's like, but you said something there, which is big for a lot of people is, you know, this, you, you were in the, in the process of growing your skill set and willing to take feedback. What a lot of people do, they'll, they'll go, they'll start. I mean, look at this. Everyone who's listening has the same opportunity, same compensation plan, same products. There is no kind of magic thing that you had. You were, you know, afraid of this. It wasn't going to be your natural thing. You've been trained as a massage therapist. Now, I, I believe you're a seven figure income owner, right? You do over a million dollars a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, but a seven-figure income earner, and you're so young, and you're still doing the work. It's not like you've kind of arrived, even in your language earlier, you kind of still have this real sense of being a student of life and not like a master. And I think that's why so many people gravitate towards your style, is this authenticity that is, yeah, you know, you, you, you hold people to a higher standard but you understand the journey, right? hundred percent. School's never out for the pro and I'm constantly learning and growing and I make mistakes every day and I learn from my mistakes and I feel pain and I still feel all the things that you're maybe experiencing, but I just don't live there. If that makes sense. Absolutely. You know yeah. Absolutely. Talk to me about, um, as you've sort of grown into this profession, as you, uh, so as people are listening right now, we're talking about the mind, that they, there is ways of conditioning the mind, but one of the great ways is through action, right? It's kind of like ready, uh, fire, aim. Not ready, aim, 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 fire. It's ready, fire, aim. And you've talked about that as you kind of get into the action, notice what's working, build on what's working, and then get feedback and then continue to develop. Talk to that new person again, because they're gonna get off this academy and they're gonna learn from so many great people, so many great trainers, and some of them are gonna do something with it and some will not, right? Some will get stopped by the first obstacle and some will become bigger than the obstacles and continue moving forward. How do we help those that may be you know, hitting that first obstacle and already self-doubting themselves, already thinking this isn't for me, I can't do this. What's your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, and, no, and, and, and it happens to every, every one of us. It's like we, we get this fire hose of information and it's like, okay, that sounds good and wow and wow and wow. And then you, you go with your notebook and it's like you just look at all this stuff and you don't know where to start. And the thing is our business boils down 80% 
my friends, is talking to people and getting people to take a look and getting people started 80%. So what I have found is most people just, they don't embrace the suck. Okay. It does suck. It is it, initially it does. And what you've got to do instead of making up all this other stuff that you want to take precedence over contacting people and doing the main thing of the business. Okay. That's going to in turn develop your skills. You come up with all these other things instead of actually doing it. And when you do it, here's the thing that happens. Okay. Action neutralizes negative emotions. So we all have those emotions, the fear, um, the comparison, you know, all the low frequency things, sometimes anger, you're mad at your upline, whatever, all these negative emotions. If you would just take action and talk to someone and do a, your first three-way call and start to do the main parts of the business, you're, you're going to neutralize all these negative low frequency type of feelings and you're going to have more energy and energy creates, energy creates, energy creates more energy. And that's when you learn you learn through experience. And so, you know, watching this is so powerful. I'm so proud of everybody for watching this, but it's what you do after that counts. And we know that. And so what I love to do when I learn new things, whether I'm taking a course, I'm learning a new method of working out, I then schedule it, David. Like I schedule it in. Like even now I'm learning like a new massage face technique and I'm taking a whole course on it. It's like this ancient thing. It's just so cool. It's like random. Okay. But anyways, um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a course on it. I want to, because it's something that I want to learn something random that I feel like I want to learn, but I have to schedule it in. I got to schedule in when I'm going to do it, when I'm going to apply it and all that good stuff. And so that's what my recommendation would be is scheduling your work at time, scheduling when you're going to do your IPAs, your income producing activities, and then it becomes real. Because otherwise, it's just a thought. It's just this whimsical, hey, I just was on this whole ISA Academy. I just listened to all this. Yay. I just posted on social media. But then you don't do anything with it. And that's, that, that sucks when people don't do anything with it. So schedule it in and then have someone hold you accountable and say, here's what I'm going to do. And when you start, when you start and you actually move forward, that's when you can't stop. And that's a, such a great thing is, you know, not just embracing the suck, <laughs> but scheduling in the things you suck at to practice. You know? So you're actually in there saying the reason it's in my schedule is because I know that I want to master this. And you said this earlier, you know, there's kind of eight, seven, eight, some could argue nine really skills, real skills that we have to master in order to become a professional network marketer. But then you talked about the 10,000 hours. I wonder how long was it from the day you started to the day you felt really more comfortable where you kind of really were in the business, but instead of being afraid of it, you were kind of immersed in it. Uh, and then how long was that until you sort of started to feel like you really were a professional in that market? What's that, what's that journey look like? Mm, wow. Well, first year and I was all in. And so don't compare yourself to me because, or anyone, but I was all in, in my first year. It meaning, you know, I was going for no, you know, building to executive status, but the most I ever cycled the first year was 10 times at, at the most, which is significant, but that was me full all in. Um, so I would say, you know, by year two, I started to feel more comfortable, a little, you know, but real. By, by you, obviously, just to be clear though, that year one, you put thousands of hours of work in it wasn't like it was just a year or hundreds of hours of work right thousands. thousands so i mean i had my old desk my vision board up with my whiteboard books um stacks of books i didn't purchase anything i didn't purchase new clothes the money that i had went back to isogenics events or growing my business or traveling to to team i mean really and so that's how my life looked my whole first year. I would get up in the morning, do, do my routine, do my workout. And then, you know, I would try to reach out to people, get rejected a lot all throughout the day. And then at night I would visualize, you know, on my couch, I remember it vividly, I would visualize a tree or isogenics tree and I would visualize the branches and people and all these people coming in and different, you know, backgrounds of people um, different religions of people. And I, I, all day long, I would just daydream, David, 
That's like what I had to do to keep me going. And that year was the best slash most difficult year of my life. And that year is what formed me. What, you know, it was, it was, it was that year. Um, but then becoming a real professional, I would say I started to really feel like that by year three, year four. Um, thousands and thousands. You've already passed the 10,000 hour mark by then because you were all in and your output. I mean, cause that's why I always say, be careful. Don't use time as your marker. If I ask you how many conversations you've had since you started, or how many conversations you had that first year, it's a better way for you new people listening. You say, well, I've already been in a year. Well, if you, because we don't compare yourself to anyone, but yeah. if you are in comparison, don't compare your start to Emily's middle, <laughs> right? Nice. Because Emily, how many conversations do you think realistically you had about isogenics that first year, if you had to guess? Uh, thousands? Thousands. Right. I mean, and a lot of them were repeated. You know, it takes seven to 10 times before someone signs up. So it's just, that is what I was really good at is focusing on who am I talking to today about isogenics and not spending a lot of time on social media, you know, just waiting for someone. I, I went and talked to people. Awesome. Um, let's talk about this other part, which you mentioned briefly, which is the the environment piece. Uh, I realize, you know, if we look at the process of manifestation, you know, uh, environment leads to thoughts, leads to feelings, leads to actions, leads to results. And so the really the results are the sort of the universe's immediate feedback on what's working. Because if you look into your bank account, it's empty, that's a result. If you look in the mirror and you don't love what you see when you're naked, that's a result, you know? And all of these results, you know, come back and stem from the environment leading to the thoughts, feelings, and actions. And our blueprint, our, our financial blueprint, our, our health blueprint would be our thoughts, feelings, and actions around anything. That's the blueprint part, right? Um, go back and, and talk about this importance of environment and how were you able to move away from negativity and negative people or be around them and not be consumed by them? Because I can be around negative people all day long now and it doesn't, I, their negativity is, is so small compared to my positivity that I just don't get drawn into that kind of world. But talk to us about that. How did you navigate the environment part and how have you created an environment that allows you to live the life you lead? Oh, so good. Well, at first, when I started to get around our community, I was like, why does this, why does this feel different? Why? I feel so loved here. I feel, I feel energy. I don't know why. And then I started to become aware. Awareness is key. I'm like, this is because these people choose to live their lives differently. They live at a higher frequency. They choose to live in gratitude. They're focusing on what they can control, not what they can't control. And so in the beginning, I was like a little baby, like a little baby. And I didn't have the willpower and the drive in the mindset I have today where I, same thing, David, you could throw me in with the wolves. You can throw me in with anybody and I, I can handle it. I'm like, I can handle you. Doesn't mean we're going to hang out, but I can handle you for a minute, you know? But in the beginning I was, I was a weak, I was weak. You're a and, sponge, right? You sponge up everything around you, right? Yep. So I consciously made an effort to stay away from people that didn't support me. They didn't support me for being me. Like they made fun of me. They, they're stinking thinking. Their mindset was horrendous. And so I really had to limit my exposure to those people. And I intentionally, which is the greatest part about isogenics is our culture. I intentionally surrounded myself with people that were on a similar mission. And, you know, that is what really changed the game for me. You know, it was driving to events and talking about our dreams and ideas and, you know, talking about things we can control. And, you know, that was it, changing my surroundings in that first year. Um, but I will tell you, yes, of course, we still have to come in contact with people who are negative, who don't think the way we think, of course. And, you know, my thing is always to love everyone. I believe like that's like what we're called to do on this earth. And I'm never above anybody. I think differently, but I'm not above anyone. And so I choose to just love people, love them. And if I have a moment where I can 
you know, give them a different perspective or coaching, I will. But one of the best things, David, I found that I could do is just lead by my own example. And inadvertently, it causes people to want to change. Well, it's the osmosis effect, which I love, is that you being you doing you in such an authentic way, people around at first can be intimidated because your light shines so brightly, but because of your intentional love, and and, and I, I see it, feel it, sense it when I'm around you, and, and you know, you know, that's what drives me is this capacity to love all people and including the negative people because, you know, they're, they're quite often, if you go back to why people are negative, it's because of the environment they grew up in, the thoughts they're thinking, the feelings they have, the actions they're taking, and they live in this negative world. And all of us can find a pathway out. And like you said, our culture plays such a huge role in that. But if I go back and ask you a more pointed question, there's someone listening right now, maybe it's a woman, maybe it's a man. Um, and they have a negative person living in their home, either by marriage or, or maybe it's children or maybe it's grandparents, but they actually are embedded with a negative stream. What's some of the advice you'd give to that person who's saying, well, listen, it's all right for you to say all this, but I am to live with this most negative guy on the planet, right? <clears throat> mm, wow. Yeah. And, and <laughs> through my years, I've had so many people come to me with this and you know, what, what I always say is, you know, you do you live by example doesn't mean you got to be like them. Um, but what I would recommend, and this is what I've done is I subtly try to get people to grow. And what I mean by that is like, here's this good book. Do you want to read it? It's so good. Like you should, you should look at this or, um, me here in LA, I go to this, um, church uh, it's very chill non-denominational and so i might actually find someone said do you want to come with me or i or it might be an isogenics event do you want do you want to come with or i so i subtly because nobody likes you to come at them and be like you need to change you suck blah you're stinking thinking like any person is gonna feel like completely violated by that. And so subtle changes I have found, I have done this with my own family, um, my, my own siblings where I subtly invite them in and I let them have their own growth experience and growth journey, not mine, right? And so I let them experience that. But I also, you know, I do believe that there is time and this probably isn't the most popular answer, but there might be a time where you grow beyond certain people. And if they're not willing and ready to step up to the plate and grow themselves and take personal responsibility, then you staying there is going to hinder your, your growth. It, It just will. And you, you know, for me personally, I feel such a big calling on my life that I am doing a disservice to our creator if I stay around people that continually drain me. And so that's when you got to get quiet and ask yourself the hard questions. And, and, and not that you're going to ever shun that person from your life, but, you know, really look at the relationship for what it is and and ask yourself how much time is invested and what can i do to change it and then i think the last thing i'll say is this is communication is the best so maybe sitting them down and i did this when i started isogenics i i did not feel supported by any of my family i'm the only one that didn't go to college like i just felt like they were all talking about me i just had weird feelings and so i sat them down and i said Hey guys, like this means so much to me and this is why it means a lot to me. I would really appreciate if you would support me and just really try to understand what I do because we are a family and I, like my brother's a pilot. I'm like, I love what you do and I love, you know, I support you when you, you know, deploy to serve our country. And I, my sister's a teacher. I was like, I, I love hearing about your kids in your classroom and I love supporting you, but no one's ever supporting me. And that's how it feels. And, and I expressed that to my family and they were all like jaw on the ground. They had no idea that they were making me feel that way. And now they ask me questions. And so communication, David, I think. I love is- that. Well, that, again, that's that courage part. I think there's three parts I want to dissect because 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not an advocate for divorce, but I am an advocate for happiness, like you said. And there is that crossroads where you get to where, you know, look at your relationship and say, hey, this, is, this isn't changing. But I think that what I've noticed with people who have a negative person in their house is they just simply become negative themselves and they're kind of anticipating the negativity. So they just always coming. I would say you're either affecting people or you're infecting people. But one of the things to look in the mirror and see how do you show up? You know, what is your, because when you start changing how you're thinking and then you start to show up and you start to communicate to people about the best part of them. Because if you've got someone around you quite often, because there's another character in the brain called the reticular activating system, which is, you know, when we're continually thinking negative thoughts, then we create an awareness. Our mind will actually find the negativity we think about and show it to us all the time. So that's why two people can stand side by side and one person can look at and say, oh my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And somebody standing right next to them and say, I think it's going to rain. You know, the weather looks crappy because their RAS, their reticular activating system is making them aware of what they're predominantly thinking. So if you've got a negative person around you, quite often you have a negative stream of thoughts about them. One of my practices is to write down five things that I really, really love about this person. Even people that are jerks, there is great things. They have a great sense of humor. Oh my God, they're a great father. You know, I mean, he could be a complete asshole but there's these qualities what i do then is i focus on the qualities and, and, and i train my brain not to sort of to notice the, the thing that i dislike and to start to really communicate with the part that i really like and what i found is most times people elevate to the part of my thinking versus because i'm communicating with a part and they can feel that subconsciously they feel the care and the compassion or the love that i'm emitting and i know it sounds very very woo woo but i think emily you get this right that when we put out we do get it back but we have to go first it's not like we can expect the hubby to go first if he's you know we have to go first and then and then we can start to affect instead of infect yeah oh beautiful drop the mic Drop the mic. No, for real. It's you may think it's woo woo, but you practice it and you become the leader. You just have to when you're living a life and taking personal responsibility, it's you just become the leader. You go first. You kill them with kindness first and you get what you put out. It's so true. It's absolutely so true. And I have found even if someone's negative, if I just like hug them and tell them I love them it's it's just you just watch their expression and you watch them just put their guard down and unravel and it just it just takes you being the bigger person to do that i tried something when i was in italy i was sitting in a little coffee shop outside in one of these little you know little back streets yeah. and i'm very i believe in this so much the power of the mind right and all i do is i pick somebody and I'd start to follow them because a lot of people would just sort of be sitting or wandering around and I'd notice them and I would just keep thinking really great thoughts about them. And on three different occasions, that person came and sat down with me. I know it sounds unbelievably weird. I get it. But that to me is that intentionality. I mean, I want to talk to you about that is that what I see with you is you live with intention. You're intentional. Even the fact you're standing up today, you're intentional about your day. You're intentional about your energy. You're intentional about your, your mind, what you're thinking, what you're putting out, your intention about your health. So there's, there's this intentionality with you. Why don't we sort of, because we haven't got long left on this, on this particular mindset uh, show, but why don't you talk a little bit about that, the, the power of intention and the role intention plays in great thinking and in great mindset? Oh, so good. Yeah, everything. I do, there's intention behind it, intention to get better, intention to grow my business. Every single day is filled with massive intention because what I've found, if there's no intention, we're not just gonna fall to the mountaintop, right? Like we have to have, we have to plan, we have to plan. When, when are we gonna stop? When are we gonna take breaks? When are we gonna have water? Did we, did we you know, plan our snacks along the way on, on the top of the mountain? And so that's how I look at my life and first it's we've said it 10 times on this call it's it's the awareness factor it's like what do you want what are you going for and then reverse engineering it and setting up your intention and it all boils down to the little baby things that maybe you don't think matter but they all add up and they create the big thing and so you know i 
you know, look at everything in my day from, from how I treat my body to how I treat my mind and my daily practices. I know how I'm going to feel on the other side of that. So I have massive intention of what I'm going to do. Um, same with my business. You know, I have always known in, in being in this profession for almost a decade now, I'm not just like randomly doing isogenics. Like I have massive intention and specific goals. What's the goal? Um, what am I trying to achieve here? What's the next level? So that way I don't just wake up a year from now and, and be like, oh, nothing happened in my business this year. I wonder why. Oh, because there was no intention behind it. So it's that specific intention. So if I know, hey, I want to get to this level, I'm going to have to reverse engineer it. And then I'm going to have to have more conversations and I'm going to have to create consultants. If you want to get to executive, I'm talking to you. And so you're going to have to know, you know, my ultimate intention is this. Okay. But then what am I going to have to do to get to my ultimate intention? Right. And so it's just so powerful to live life with intention. How do I, you know, want to make people feel like, am I the type of person that I, you know, walk into a room and I have some conversations and people feel like they need a shower after they're next to me, or do they feel more excited and they, you know, there's feel like they've been showered. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I, I just choose to live every day and I ask God every day, to just use me. I'm like, use me up, like use me for the greater good of humanity. Like just take like whatever I'm supposed to do, just do it and I will do it. And I, I just surrender to that. And, and my intention is to create change on the planet. And I'm very clear on that. And, um, when you speak it and when you believe it, it's just like the universe just conspires in your favor. And and, you know, I just choose to live life by design rather than by default. I'm not just going to like roll through the day. I've always said this, even before this happening right now, I've always said, this is my economy. Like this is, I'm not going to let the world dictate what happens. And I know some of you are like shocked that I might say that, but I've always had that attitude. It's my economy. It's what I can control. It's so it's just a different mindset. I hope that kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, again, we're getting quite close to the end here. But the, <clears throat> I think about those three elements of success, right vehicle, right time, right you. We spend a lot of time talking about the right you, you know, that mindset and environment, um, you know, are critical. And they can be changed. And, but it is a daily practice. If you want a clean mind, you know, you've got to practice. And you've got to practice on an intentional practice over time. And every single mind on the planet can be exactly what we want it to be. Science shows us that, neuroplasticity. But the right vehicle, right time. Um, there's never been a greater time for isogenics. There's never been a greater time. Um, because you know we always flourish our profession flourishes in a down economy because people are looking for change we're seeing right now the forecast of 800 million jobs disappearing over the next you know five to ten years um, we're looking at you know the uncertainty around the virus that's here right now and people are really taking serious looks at having a plan B because now they realize they thought they were secure but suddenly everything was taken away and they don't want to be in that predicament again so why is this the right vehicle why has oh. this become your home because some people have left i mean friends of ours have left people we know well and you know and i always there's a part of me that always i my loyalty meter goes off a little bit and that i struggle with that with when people leave especially if they have teams but i do understand it it's one of those things but what I notice when I look at someone like you, I see absolute certainty in the vehicle. And that certainty is so sexy and it's so attractive to bring to you what you want. Talk about that then, the right vehicle, right time. Why is this the right time? Why is this the right vehicle? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it spot on. Typically when the economy goes goes tanks, we do very well. I look at, you know, even I came in in 2010, a lot of my upline, nobody had network marketing experience, none of us. And we were all attracted because we kind of had to be. Let's just be honest. And that's what's happening now is people are forced to take a look. People are realizing through all this, I don't have a plan B income. I don't have a what if fund. And people are now aware because awareness is key that they need and must do something. And so when I look at network marketing and specifically isogenics, it is just, it is set up for anybody to come in 
and be able to crush it if they put their mind to it. Obviously, you need to learn the skills. You need to be hungry to do it. But all of the things in business that, gosh, cost a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources are all done for us. And I, th I think we, you know, we know that. But let me just remind you, from the payments to product distribution, to product formulations, to events that we have, our world-class events, to these trainings, all of those things are done for you, okay? And, and that, I mean, I've talked to my friends who are entrepreneurs and how much money they've invested in different businesses to, you know, half million to a million dollars, and then some, some of you have been watching can experience it, where you can come in to Isogenics, it's already set up for you, Okay, you're coming in and you're purchasing your products and then you're a business. So you're eating your overhead, which is absolutely brilliant. But take a look at specifically now, health and wellness is shining a light like it's never shined before. Because in a downward economy, we all still eat food, right? We all still eat food. And so this isn't a luxury item. This isn't a service-based company. It's food. It's real nutrition that every human on the planet needs. And that's why I absolutely love it because we get consumable. We have consumable products. We're consuming it. The emotional, you get emotional from how you feel and it's visible of how you look. And so, you know, the health and wellness sector, and I, I know Paul Zane Pilzer, uh, he's a world leading economist and he talked about this a lot. The next millionaires, he wrote this book a few years back talking about the wellness revolution and it's alive and well. And it's a matter, David, of what company are you aligning yourself with that's going to be able to take you um, to the income you want to grow, but also to feel really good about it, to know that it's going to be here. And believe me, I mean, I speak on behalf of the network marketing profession. I have seen companies come and go and come and go and come and go. And the difference with Isogenics is our leadership everything rises and falls on leadership and you look at the Coovers and who they are and their experience and everyone just like David and I are talking about the power of the mind and the power of the environment you look at everyone they've surrounded themselves with it's the best of the best and we base our company on values core values we've got them and every single decision we make and I know this because I've been on the field advisory board I am on the field advisory board right now is all about us. It's all about the associate. And you cannot say that with many companies. Usually it's about how much money is going to come in. And we truly, you know, look at, you know, innovation is one of our core values. Leadership development is one of our core values. That's why we're on this right now. We care more about developing people. Family is our core value. And, you know, you can feel it when, especially when you come to an event, but even now on the academy and, and just getting involved in our culture, you can't bottle this up and manufacture it and sell it on the shelf. Like attracts like, and it brings in some of the most beautiful people on the planet. And it's just like anything in business, there's highs and lows. And, you know, I always say leadership doesn't know a season. And I am committed to isogenics and my mindset around isogenics is a partnership it's not them and me it's a partnership and so i'm willing you know i'm willing to get the ball in the end zone because of that mentality of i'll die for you and you'll die for me and and when you have that loyalty like it, it just you're gonna win but when you decide to blame somebody else because your check isn't growing because of X, Y, and Z, good luck. Like, that's what I have to say to that. Like, if you can't build here, I don't know where you're going to be able to build. Well, the thing that I think a lot of people don't know is you take yourself with you. And, and what will happen is if you're, if you're not in the, if we go back to the beginning of the call and the whole idea about being outside your comfort zone and how you spent so much time out there developing your skills. And again, we're only talking about sort of, again, we could argue between seven and nine skills, really, to become a master network marketer and to have a million dollar income if you wanted it. Obviously, you have to have the thousands and thousands and thousands of conversations and endure thousands and thousands of no's as part of that journey. Um, but I think that, you know, when we, when we look at this idea of, you know, um, blame. And so I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I've got the same things. 
and someone may call and say, hey, it's easier over here. Come over here, it's easy. And because we're not doing as well as we think, we consider it. But that to me, just on, on a, so last note on this, is that's where, you know, realizing if I take myself away from this, the same struggles, the same obstacles will still exist over there. And I may be walking away from something which you talked about, which I think is our greatest asset, our culture. And that's why when I reached out to you and say, Emily, are you prepared to come and share your wisdom and your knowledge to this group of people? And your answer is even on your busiest day where you're standing up the whole day because you, you know, you've got so much to do that you just say yes. And so I want to just turn it back for a last thought. Um, we've spent an hour now talking primarily about mindset, very, very simple strategies that work for you. They work for me, the same strategies you adopt, I adopted. Every one of our friends who are successful, who have great incomes and great lives, they, they adopt the same philosophies. It's not like we're, there's a hidden part. It's like, well, Emily's told you 80%, but she's keeping secret 20% because she wants to win. No, she wants to give you everything. So just last thought, as they're going to push stop on this, and in a moment, they're going to be sitting there in a quiet room, wondering what to do with it. What's your thoughts? Mm. Okay. This is so beautiful. I love this. I love you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what I want you to do is just get quiet. We got to get quiet. And I want you to visualize a life. Really go there with me. Because I know right now it's you're resisting this. You may think we're woo woo, but please do it. Visualize what would your life look like if time and money were no longer an issue and really go there. Like what would it look like? What would it feel like? What would it smell like? What would it taste like? What would you do if you could create your day? You could design your life. What and, 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 and really go there. And, and I recommend like playing a song for three minutes and do it the whole time and visualize it and then grab a notebook and write it all out while it's fresh in your mind. And it could be the simplest things like you're at the grocery store buying whatever you want and you check out and you don't even look at how much it costs, right? It could be buying a plane ticket and, and, and sitting in the sand of Fiji and, experiencing something there. It could be literally anything. Bringing your kid to their soccer camp that's the best in the nation and you don't even care about how much it costs. You know, it, it could be just waking up when you're done sleeping. It, it, it could be anything, but I want you to really get crystal clear on it, write it down. And then at some point, which is, should be soon, make a vision board, write it out loud, but then put it to life, make a vision board. Then from there, it's time to take action because none of those things are going to come true if you don't take action. So I would just start scheduling in your income producing activity, go to work like your life depends on it. Some of you, it does. And, and just keep imagining, you know, if, if I don't do this work, I'm never going to get this. And that's all I've ever done. And my life is a decade of vision boards of, of putting things up and taking it down in my plastic baggie when things come to pass. My view, I've envisioned this. Cars, some of you don't really care about that. I don't even care about that actually. One time I did, but that was on my board. Um, my school in Africa, the things I've done there was on my board. But the thing is, I would look at it every day, and when I didn't feel like doing anything, David, I would look at it, and then I would take action because I knew the only way I'm going to get these things or feel the experience of these things is by taking action. Yeah, yeah, and that's the big thing. You know, when we look at um, the, the the blueprint, right, a financial blueprint, um, you know, we we talk about thoughts, feelings, and actions, right, and then we talk about results. You know, you want those results. Whatever you visualize just then, again, if it's that, you know, that special school for your child or, you know, the fact you can fly somewhere without looking at the price, whatever that, that life is. And both of us are fortunate to live that life. You know, we both have these extraordinary lives. But the idea, though, is the bridge between the inner world and the outer world. So the outer world is our results. That inner world is the thoughts, feelings, and actions is the action itself. And most people don't take action because of fear. And I just want to leave you with this. So fear, a lot of people say, you know, if I ask you to, what it means, people will say false evidence appearing real. But actually fear isn't that. The definition of fear is the anticipation of pain. 
the anticipation of pain. So what happens is a lot of us won't take the action because we're anticipating the pain, the rejection. And that's what we're talking about. When you get outside that comfort zone, it is fear, apprehension, doubt, and uncertainty. So it feels painful. So then understanding that as we leave this, knowing that as you're taking the action, you are going to feel uncomfortable. You are going to feel fear, apprehension, and doubt until you do it long enough to become good at it. And then it becomes more natural. But in the beginning, to cross the bridge to the results that we just talked about, we're going to have to address the fear. And the only way through it is in the action itself. With that being said, Emily, what a, what a, we get to do this a couple more times, which I'm so excited about, uh, hopefully a lot more times. I, I just love, 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 love who you are, how you are. I love your faith. I love how you express your faith with such elegance. I love your dedication to your body to your mind, to other people, to the planet, to the industry, to the whole profession, not just inside these walls. You, you celebrate uh, network marketers outside. You help them. You help people across the profession. You are a remarkable, remarkable woman, as you know, and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. I love you so much. Thank you for all you do. You've literally changed my life and thousands of others. There's no David Wood. There's no, like, literally, there's nobody like you, David, and I appreciate you. I'm so grateful you've listened all the way through as that right there, my friend, says a lot about your commitment to your personal empowerment. If you truly found value in this podcast, then screenshot this podcast right now, put it on your Instagram stories and tag me at it's Emily, as I'd love to see you taking that step to empower others. Remember to also go leave a comment on what your biggest takeaway was from this episode on my most recent post on Instagram. Within two hours of this podcast dropping, we always pick two random winners every Sunday and gift each winner a $50 Amazon gift card. Lastly, it means the world if you take just 10 seconds to share the same takeaway in the review section on iTunes as it really helps amplify this podcast to more people. Remember to always spread light, spread love, and pay it forward, my friends. I believe in you.